This morning, we are on the 11th week of talking through the mission of our church and looking at its scriptural underpinnings. You know, because you've been well instructed and you've been learning well, and I encourage you to say it with me, the mission of the church is the making of disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And of course, to do that, we need new leaders to be emerging of many kinds all the time. The prophet Jeremiah first heard the words of the Lord when he was about 17 or 18 years old. That scripture is documented in Jeremiah 1. It's our scripture for this morning. Would you read uh, along with me in the uh, Pew Bibles or with the words that uh, are on the screen? The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everywhere I send you to and say whatever I command you to. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the word of the Lord for the building up of the people of God this morning. Be grateful, rejoice in its coming, and receive it in your hearts so that you might live it out. On the first Sunday of every month in our church, not only do we uh, lift all of our prayers up corporately to our Lord, we also encourage you as a congregation member to take a specific moment, which is right now, and if you have a prayer that you would love our pray- prayer team, our pastors and others to pray through, simply grab one of these blue cards that's been placed before you uh, in the pews and, and write down a prayer. I'm going to take about a minute or so to write my prayer as you write yours, uh, and then I'll guide you. Uh, through a uh, spoken prayer. And certainly continue to write as you have need, and let us pray. Oh Lord our God, on this morning, we come into this place, and as we see the lights twinkling, the candles uh, burning brightly, though we've seen others already during this time, we know that these are lit, these pristine white lights and candles are lit, to represent your Son, who is the light of the world, who comes to us. And so we give thanks and praise you, Lord, for this season that is Advent. For every year it grabs our attention and reminds us, not that just Jesus is the reason for a season, but Jesus is the reason for our living. And as the center of our living, Lord, uh, let us follow him and know him in all that we do. This morning, Lord, we celebrate great things, moments of thanksgiving, times when we could be with our family and friends, time where we had even the ability to sit around the table and share. And for that, we give thanks. And for the safe travels of our families, we praise you. And Lord, of course, always because we are a group that is not small, we always have aches and pains among us. So we ask your blessing upon those that are currently resting in the hospital or recovering from time in the hospital. We pray for those who are in hospice relationships right now. And we, of course, pray and lay our cares and concerns to you particularly remembering uh, the family of Mark Carter, uh, remembering Myrna, who is on staff with us here for many decades, 
And we ask that you might bless her and her family as they grieve Mark's passing this week. We ask, O Lord, that you might surround them with your many angels and give them the strength they need for going on day to day. And Father God, this morning we look forward to the moment where Pastor Keith will stand before us and before you. For the words that he has crafted, the words that are put together here, flow straight from your heart through his mouth to our ears and hearts. Allow nothing to stand in the way of that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, and bless Pastor Keith this morning. Amen. Pastor. Good morning. Apparently my little remote control clicker thing has wandered off, so we're going to rely on these guys up here to guide us through our slides. They always do a great job, so I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to preach. How about that? All right. And and you're going to shout amen, right? There we go. This is what I'm talking about, 830 service. Sometimes I tell you what, this is my favorite worship service in here because I'm standing here right now. It might be the 945 service next time I'm standing here But I'm glad to be here My motorcycle made it this morning It was a little chilly, I had to put the chains on it But we got here in one piece I hope you had a great Thanksgiving And I hope that you're excited to to worship God We've been working through this sermon series on the mission of the church and, And today we're we're not so much talking about what the mission of the church is. We're talking about one of the things that is super important to how we get to our mission, to, to fulfill it. And that is uh, through the generation and regeneration of more leaders in the church and more leaders in God's kingdom. I, I love Jeremiah. I've been, I haven't read Jeremiah in a long time, but as I was preparing for this sermon, I started to uh, spend some time looking at this, this young man's call. And, and, and the thing I like about Jeremiah's story is I, I, first of all, I love hearing stories about how people are called into whatever it is that, that they're called into doing. And, I, and I, I know we use that term a lot, you know, what is your calling? Have you ever used that? You know, your calling might be uh, just whatever it is that you do with your life, and, and people refer to it that way. Some say, well, my calling is to be a doctor, or my calling is to be a teacher, or my calling is to be a basketball player, or whatever it might be. And, you know, we, we can throw that around sometimes, but I, I really do appreciate that. Because the thing that it affirms, that I think the book of Jeremiah affirms, especially the first chapter in in, in his calling, is this. That who we are in our lives is something that we're we're called to by God. That who God has called us to be is not the result of our environment so much as it is the result of the will of God and the decision of God. Now I know that might seem a little strange because... You know, we live our lives, we make choices, we see things happening all around us, and certainly those things affect us and have, have their, their repercussions. But, but generally speaking, the people that we are, the main things that make up our identity, comes not from our choices, but from God's choice, from who God is. And God calls Jeremiah to be a prophet. Now, for our church, of course, to grow in its mission and to grow into its, its goals, you know, we, we have to have more leaders. We have to have more prophets, so to speak. We have to have more people who sense that calling of God and, and, and stand up and say, okay, I'll do it. But how does that happen? What does it look like? 
You know, of course, in the Bible, you see these, these great stories of, of, of men and women who are called by a, a God who gives them an audible voice or some sign that they can unmistakably hear. But, you know, for many of us, it's not that way, is it? I don't know too many of us who, who can say we were living our lives a certain way and God literally spoke to us in an audible voice we could hear with our ears or appeared to us in some vision and said, do this. For us, the call comes in a different way, doesn't it, typically? Well, we're going to talk about that this morning and what it looked like for a man named Jeremiah and what it looks like to us. Because what I want to, all of us to understand is this. Not all of us are called to the same thing in terms of being a prophet or even being a pastor or any type of leader in the church, but we are all called to discipleship. We are all called to discipleship. Did you hear what I said? It's not a choice that we've made that puts us in the camp of discipleship. It's the call of God that puts us into discipleship. Now, one of the the coolest stories, of course, is the one that that Mike just read in Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, of course, relates this call himself in in this book of Jeremiah, which is essentially his autobiography. Now, a little bit of a background on Jeremiah, just so you can understand. Jeremiah was born about 600-plus years before Christ into the home of a priest. His father was a priest, so that means he was a PK. you got to watch those PKs. Isn't that right, Pastor Mike? Isn't that right, Vicky? All three of right up here, we're all, wait, no, you're not a PK, but Vicky and I are PKs. Yeah, he's principal's kid, PK. That's probably just as bad. See, when you're born into the home of a priest, though, your life is pretty much planned out for you because they didn't have, like, college for priests where, like, you know, a career day, a kid in Israel could say, hey, I want to be a priest. What do I have to do? No, you were born into that calling. You had to be a member of the tribe of Levi. You had to be a Levite because they were only, they were the priests. And Jeremiah's father was a priest. So, of course, it would follow that Jeremiah, from a very young age, since the moment he was born, was told, this, will be, this young man will be a priest. Now, the life of a priest was, was pretty well set. Your job as a priest was not to come up with mission statements and new strategies and plans for how to, to, to bring God's kingdom to this world. Your job as a priest was to maintain the sacred traditions and rituals to a T. You weren't supposed to be creative or inventive or innovative in any way, shape, or form. You had one job, to learn everything that had been done before you and to do it exactly the same. So Jeremiah is, of course, raised in that world. Now, in, 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 in addition, as a priest, you are going to be taking care of your whole life. Because the, the Old Testament law said that you're to set aside a portion of your income for the priests. So a priest didn't worry about where his money would come from, or his living expenses would come from, or his livelihood would come from. It was pretty secure as a priest. Safe job, easy job. I don't want to say easy, you had a lot of learning to do, but but relatively secure. Now, it's into that mindset that the word of the Lord comes to the prophet Jeremiah. To be a prophet was something completely different, wasn't it? The Old Testament prophets were not, you know, top 10 awesome careers that you'd want to involve yourself in. Because the nation of Israel was typically a nation uh, characterized by sinful rebellion against God. So the way it would work, and read the Old Testament, you can see this, would go something like this. 
The nation of Israel is in trouble. God sends prophets to warn them. They don't listen to the prophets. They yell at the prophets. They kill the prophets. All the warnings of the prophets come true. A nation from another border comes in, destroys everything, or, or punishes Israel. The nation of Israel is decimated, and people know what they're going to do. There's a lot of crying, a lot of wailing, a lot of ripping stuff, and all that kind of thing. And then, and then you know, God forgives. They repent, and everything goes well for a while. Blessings come. People get lackadaisical. They start to veer off the path. In comes the prophet to say, don't do it, don't do it. People ignore, repeat, repeat, repeat. So if you were a prophet, you did not have a fun job. Prophets were usually pretty messed up people. They were poor. They were persecuted. They were often killed. They were tormented. They were kind of viewed as these radical people. And that's what God called Jeremiah to be. Now, we can learn a few things from the way God calls Jeremiah. You say, what does that have to do with First United Methodist Church in 2013 in Marion, Iowa? I would tell you this. It has a lot to do with this church and us and our world. Because I think you could say the same thing about the, nat- the, the nature of our culture. We are a people who, who have wandered far from God as a culture. And, and, and we have voices of prophets continually saying, get back on track get back on track, and we don't have very far to go to look into our world and see a world in need of transformation. We see family members in need of transformation, co-workers in need of transformation, friends, neighbors, even us in and of ourselves are always in need of transformation by the power of God. And it is into this world that God would call us as a church to go into the world and thus saith the Lord to proclaim the gospel. So the call of of Jeremiah has a lot to do with God's call on each of us. Because understand this, each of us were called to discipleship. We were called by God into that. So no matter what you do with your life, no matter what other calling you may have, no matter what you do that, that fulfills you and you say, wow, I was called into this. First and foremost, you were called to be a disciple. You were called to be a disciple. First lesson that we learn is this, that God knows us and calls us before we were born. You see, even though Jeremiah was born to be a priest, God had a different calling. Even though you might have been born to be something else, God had a different calling for you, and his calling stands. God's calling does not have anything to do with who you think you're supposed to be or what your parents think you're supposed to be. God's call to discipleship goes through all of that. We just might not know it. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and I I have this scripture. I'm just going to read it to you real quick. We know this verse well. We know that all things work together for the good, for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. But verse 29 is, is, is even more important. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Before you did anything, before you made any choice, before you were given anything in this life, God had already called you. Because the Bible says that God 
lives in a, in a realm where time does not exist the way that it exists for us. So God foreknows our choices. God foreknows His will for us. And He sets it into place that we would be called to be like Him. You are who you are because God called you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, you may struggle with that, but God doesn't. You may look at your own life and say, I have no business being a disciple of Jesus Christ. I have no, uh, you know, desire to be that. I have, you know, my life's a mess. I'm, you know, God surely would not call me. He would call someone else. You may wrestle with that, but God does not. Notice young Jeremiah tries to argue with God and say, I'm too young. I'm too this. And we do the same thing, don't we? When we look at the mission statement of our church or we hear a sermon or we read a scripture and God calls us to something better, it's just instantly that, that some voice lays over the top of us that pushes us down and says, no, not you. Maybe you've done some things in your past that you think disqualify you. Maybe you have something about your family that you think is, 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 brings you shame. Or maybe you have some issue physically and you say to yourself, there's no way I could ever be used by God to do anything or to tell anybody about Jesus. Recognize this, if the word of God comes to you, God is not bothered by any of those things. The Bible is full of men and women who counted themselves unworthy that God said, no, you will go and you will say, God called you before you were even born. You didn't earn your calling. You didn't do something great. And God called the conference and said, hey, wait a second. You see what that person just did? You guys check that out. We need to change the plan here. We were on a different track with this person, but look what they did. Aren't they awesome? Let's move some things around. God is not like a, a, a coach who sees what his players do and then you know, sends in the bench players if the, to discipline the, the first stringers. God knows ahead of time. God called you before you were even born. Now, that's why you go into ministry. That calling alone is why you do what you do. Some people have this idea... You know, that, well, I think I'll go into ministry or, because it looks like a cool job. Every year we get a couple of kids, don't we, who, who call from, a, like they want to do a job shadow. They want to go into ministry. You say, what? Why do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. It looks kind of cool. You only have work one day a week. Right? I mean, shoot, you, you go to church for a couple hours on Sunday. I got to do that anyway. Might as well get paid for it. Right? Stand up in front of a few people. How hard can it be? Then the whole rest of the week, you can just do nothing. Sounds like a winner. I was, uh, when I was in seminary, um, I was talking to this person in one of my classes, and, and we were talking about why we were where we were in terms of denominations, and, and this person was not a United Methodist, they were a different denomination, and um, I remember I asked this person, I said, so what, why did you choose that particular denomination? And they said, well, because the pension program is awesome. They really take care of you. You know, I did my research. I looked at other denominations and this and that. And this particular one, you know, they give you the greatest insurance. They set you up with a great pension program. And you can never be, you know, really basically you can't be fired no matter what you do. Because you're always guaranteed somewhere. And, and whatever you do, you know, some, someone will hire you. And so it's awesome, you know. But I figured that would be the best move for me to make at this point in time in my life. You know, they were changing careers midstream. And, you know, at that point in my life, I was not as refined as I am today. And uh, 
That wasn't supposed to be funny. So I looked at this person and I said, well, that's the dumbest reason I could ever think of to choose a denomination. What about the call of God on your life? Where does that fit in? I was like 22, you know. This was like three years ago. So I, I, I said that to this person, and they looked at me like I was crazy. What are you talking about, the call of God? And I said, you know, where does that fit in? Then you get into ministry because you love Jesus and because God called you to do this. And, and, and aren't you making some great sacrifice in your life so that you can serve God? And, and aren't you part of this, this, this movement of God that goes against the grain of society so that you can, you can stand in the middle of that and proclaim the truth of the gospel? And, and, but it's, what? No, this would be the easiest way to live. Well, it wasn't long after that that person dropped out of school. You know, maybe that was my job. I don't know. You see, here's the thing. Some of us have this weird idea that, that if we become a leader in the church or a pastor and this, that it's supposed to be easy. Now, let me tell you this. I'm not, I don't seek out discomfort. I don't seek out persecution. I don't seek out making people mad. Okay? But if, if as a minister, if as a proclaimer of the gospel, if as a prophet, we never make anybody mad in the world, we aren't doing our job, people. Now, again, we are, our job is not to go out and be mean and hurtful and, and try to, to offend people. But if, if the gospel call in our life never rubs anybody the wrong way, then, then we're not like Jesus. Because remember what Jesus told his disciples. He said, look, they hated me. They're going to hate you. So what does it say if we live in this world where we think that, that following God's call is going to somehow make our lives easier? It's not. But that's the only reason why you do it then. Because God called you. Not because you think you're going to get anything out of it. Now I can tell you, there's nothing else I'd rather do with my life. I love what I get to do. Thank God every day for it. But you should never step into leadership and ministry or into the world of a prophet because you think you're going to get something out of it. The call of God is the only reason. Second thing we learn from Jeremiah's call is this, that God's call is accompanied by his presence, his power, and his protection. See, Jesus told his disciples, when, they, when you go into the world to make more disciples, lo, I am with you until the end of the age. Jesus promised his presence to those who would go and speak his message. He promises, even to Jeremiah, he says, look, I will touch your mouth and give you the words to say, I will be with you. God's presence is what we want in this world. And as we go into our worlds to be the prophets of God, to be the leaders in the church, we need to recognize God's presence comes with us, as does his power. The power that we bring does not come from our words or who we are. It comes from the one who sends us. We always need to remember that because it's easy for people to, who stand up and preach or to say, thus saith the Lord, to get wrapped up in their own self and who they are and think they're a big deal. It's not about us. We can never do anything in ministry that, that draws attention to us. We need to be pointing attention to Jesus. That's our job. And the same goes for, for all of us in, in our opportunities to share Christ. When you share Christ with someone, the story is about Jesus. The story, the attention needs to be about Him, not about us. We can only give testimony to what he's done in our lives, but it's not, oh, well, you know what? I had a messed up life, then I started going to church, and I really turned things around. That's not the story of the gospel. 
The story of the gospel is I was dead in my sins and God made me alive through Jesus Christ. Not of anything I've done myself, but by his grace, by what he's done. He strengthens me every day. I continue to fail, but God continues to to succeed. I continue to be faithless. God continues to be faithful. He's promised his, his presence, his power, and he's also promised his protection. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that nothing bad will ever happen to you. Remember I said earlier, look at Jesus. And what did they do to him? And if you've been following the news, you've seen this. I I don't know if you're aware of this, but a couple of weeks ago in in North Korea, 80 people were publicly executed by firing squad in front of thousands of people, including children, some of whom whose crime was possessing a Bible. There are still places in the world today where what we're doing here would bring a death sentence. You say, well, doesn't God protect everyone? You know what? God's protection is not about our earthly life. God's protection is about protecting the message that must go out. And if it costs us our lives, we give them. If it costs us our livelihood, we give it. If it costs us the, the, the respect of other people and the, the admiration of others, then we sacrifice that to give glory to Christ, recognizing that the power comes from Him. And thirdly, we remember this, that God is never wrong in whom He chooses. If the word of the Lord has come to you, you have been set apart. And your worldly qualifications and even your personal talents and resources are not a concern to God. If God calls you, Remember, he has not made a mistake. So what are we to do? What are we to do? How are we to respond? Simply this, we're to listen for that calling. And when we hear it, we're to follow it. And we're to lead. We're to obey. When the Spirit of God comes to you in some small way and says, thus saith the Lord, far be it for us to ignore that voice. Now, how does this all work for us today? If you're feeling the call of God into leadership or into ministry, of course, we as the church leaders here want to help you explore that. And I would just throw that out. If you've sensed that call of God on your life in some way to, to, to leadership or to ministry, please let us know so we can help shepherd you through that, help you explore that, help make that uh, something that you can, you can become more sure of or less sure of. But what I'd say to you is this, start now. Start small. Start leading. See, those who are faithful in small things will be given bigger things. So find some small ways to lead and to serve. Find something that you can do to step into that calling and see what happens. But just remember this, Jesus defines leadership away from from sort of being the man and serve or you know giving orders out to instead being the servant. In Matthew 20, 25 to 28, Jesus' disciples were, were wrestling with this. And it says, he called them together and said, You know that the rulers of Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So listen Respond and follow. The mission of God needs leaders, yes. 
And I do have complete confidence within this body that God has called all he needs. The question is, are we listening? Are we hearing? And are responding? You know, there's three types of people in the church. There's those who merely come to receive. Then there's those who have begun to give. And then there's those who lead. And I think all three are important. Perhaps God is calling you. Perhaps the word of the Lord is coming to you. It came to Jeremiah, and he was brokenhearted for the condition of this world. Perhaps it's coming to you. Perhaps it's coming to us. Do you look at the world with a broken heart and say, God, fix it. God, use me in some small way. Listen to that voice. Follow it. Obey it. Because the word of the Lord is coming to us as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are in many ways a people, Lord, who have recognized the call to discipleship. And Lord, as You give us power and you give us strength in your presence, Lord. We ask, Lord, more and more that you would increase our faith, increase our desire to be holy, increase our power to follow you, Lord, so that, Lord, we can be obedient to the voice that you bring to us, that we might hear that and respond, that this world may be transformed, Lord, in the same way, God, that You were hated, Lord. If we are hated too, God, it's okay because you're with us. Father, bind us together. Help us to recognize that call of discipleship that comes not from anything that we've done, but because of what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it was that call to discipleship that lived itself out in the life of Christ in such a way that he came before the Lord and said, Is there any other way? And God said, no. This is what you're to do. So Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Which led him, of course, to the night before, uh, on that night, led him to the cross. So as he gathered with his disciples, in a picture of what it looks like to be faithful to this call, Jesus gathered with his friends, these other leaders he had called, And he took bread and he broke it after giving thanks. And he said, now take and eat, each of you. This is my body broken for you. After the supper was ended, he he took the cup. And in the same way, he gave thanks for it to God. And he said, take and drink this. This is the blood of the new covenant shed for remission of sins for you and for many. As often as you drink of this, Remember what I've done for you. Remember what my calling was and receive your own. Communion in in our church today is open and available to anyone who would desire to listen to that calling and respond. You've not been invited by a congregation or by a pastor, but by the Lord himself who's called you today. If you would be willing to respond The altar is open. Come and receive and listen for the voice of God.